Ah, back home. It's time for the news from the Back Home magazine. Today's news is about food preservation. Our present-day food processing industry has its roots in thousands of years of trying to preserve foods for use at a later time. For example, during winter months at harvest or after a successful hunt for a woolly mammoth that simply couldn't be eaten all at once. Probably the first method utilized was to simply dehydrate meats, fruits, or vegetables in the sun. Once most foods are dried out, bacterial decay and decomposition are slowed dramatically, allowing for relatively long-term storage. Some foods can be eaten dry, like beef jerky, while others can be rehydrated, such as vegetables in making soups. Somewhere in our early history, the use of salt for food preservation became common when someone discovered that packing fish or meat in layers of salt would bring spoilage pretty much to a grinding halt. The salt dehydrates food by drawing water out, plus the salt itself inhibits bacterial decay. When the food was ready to be eaten, it was important to soak the food in water, often several times, not only to rehydrate it, but also to reduce the salt content. In fact, the historical value of salt, used in many societies as money, came from its value as a food preservative, not as a dinner table condiment that we use and abuse today. Another time-honored technique is smoking foods to preserve them a process that not only extends the storage of foods, but generally adds a distinctive flavor like smoked turkey, hams, bacon, and salmon. The history of canned foods began in the early 1800s when the French government offered a prize of 1,200 francs, big bucks in those days, for the invention of a way to preserve foods for the French army. The prize was won in 1809 for a process using wide-mouth glass bottles that were corked and heated in boiling water to preserve vegetables, meats, fruits, and milk. The next step came in 1819 with a patent for using steel cans instead of fragile glass bottles. In 1858, an American named John Mason invented the heavy glass jar that could withstand repeated high-temperature processing. It still bears his name in common usage as the Mason jar. Modern frozen foods started with Clarence Birdseye in 1912, when he began freezing fish to keep them fresh. Mr. Birdseye started selling a line of frozen foods in 1930, but he ran into a little problem at first. The problem was that grocers weren't willing to invest in freezers to keep his foods frozen. As a result, his market was pretty limited until the rationing of World War II put severe limitations on the metal used in canned goods. Since his frozen foods were packaged in cardboard and wax paper, not metal, a whole new market was opened up for frozen foods that continues today. The most modern experiment in food preservation is to irradiate food with high-energy radiation to kill bacteria and retard spoilage. This process has some technical appeal since it's relatively cheap, but the public's interest has been, at best, limited by the idea of any food bombarded by radiation. 
More information about food preservation is available from Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina. With support from AirCheck Incorporated, on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Leeward Road, just east of Old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on your community radio station. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are here to bring you Envirosocial Talk. Doom and gloom with a sense of humor. Just enough to slather your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, I think we should talk about the Frack Free Fest. Yeah. Just because I'm looking at you and it's over it's your over shoulder. It's over my shoulder. Yeah. The fest is over my shoulder. It started already. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will talk about it in the happening section, but the Frack Free Fest with the Woodbox Gang is this Saturday, October 12th from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. at the Trails End Lodge. Yes. Um, catch a ride. They're carpooling from Cobden. So park in Cobden and catch a ride to the Trails End Lodge. Yeah. So, because they don't have that much parking. Yeah, the venue itself, you know, they've got enough parking for a regular night, but not for a amazing big back free fest. Yeah. <laughs> so. All of Cobden's parking is going to be taken up tonight. That's just a given. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, um, I actually said it correctly, Crack Free Fest. Yes. Wow, I'm getting better at my vernaculars. <laughs> um, you are. Um, I might, I'm the energy mon. I'm, I guess I'm actually awake this morning. Yeah, so. we're, yeah, I'm awake too. We're both awake and guys. It's strange. Sometimes we, it's after the show, we're like, oh, we're awake now. What, what just happened? We, we use this show to wake ourselves up. Yeah, uh, this show definitely wakes me up. And um, stories like this are definitely a wake-up call. Okay. <laughs> Wake us up. Yes. Get ready for record temperatures for the rest of your life. Do, 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 for the rest of your life. Da, da, da. Within 35 years, even a cold year will be warmer than the hottest year on record, according to research published in Nature on Wednesday. Okay, oh. published in Nature by Nature? Or, <laughs> oh, wait, that's a magazine, right? Yeah. So published by Nature. I was just like, Nature is finally creating a publication yeah. to say, listen to me, I am heating up here, I'm getting pissed off with all this pollution. Yeah, I'm picturing like a, a, an ant, like a living tree coming with this giant research paper and presenting it. <laughs> Just like, here is our study of the climates. I think, yeah. <laughs> From nature. <laughs> well, the study used 39 climate models to make a single temperature index for places all over the world. And it estimates the different times when U.S. cities' average temperatures will never again dip below the hottest year in the past century and a half. Now, and so the average of all the cities, uh, well, the, <coughs> the lowest, the soonest one was 2043 for Phoenix and Honolulu, 
and 2049 for San Francisco, 2071 for Anchorage. So at those points, their, their low temperatures will be the high temperatures of the past. Okay, that's hard to grasp. The lowest temperature in the future will be our highest temperature now. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, yeah, no other way around. Like, you know, when we're, when we have the coldest year we've had in a long time, that'll be like the hottest year from the past. Got it. So think of the hottest year we've had in the past hundred and some years. Oh man, that was last year. <laughs> yeah. That'll be our coolest that'll year. That'll be our coolest year. Oh my god. That was hot. That was very hot. I remember that. I was I was doing walking places and walking places in that heat is kinda crazy. I'm not prepared for that. Yeah. I do not like heat. I can I can handle cool weather cold weather. Because I always can put more clothes on, but I only can get so naked. I'll <laughs> yeah. leave that image in your mind. <laughs> so And there's only so much uh you can do to cool off. And there is still time for us to affect this. If we just suddenly stop emitting all CO2 and other greenhouse gases, we could affect that a little bit. Here's a cool down. The word freeze here, it says. Yeah. Federal shutdown freezes Antarctic science. Other research. Okay, that's the wrong type of freeze right there. (laughs) Yeah, they knew a freeze was in order, but instead they froze the science. It's springtime on the South Pole, meaning there soon will be enough daylight and warmth for hardy climate researchers to make their annual haul south, way, way south. Since Antarctic's ice sheet would raise sea levels more than 150 feet upon melting, it seems like an important thing to, you know, stay on top of it, study it. But preparations for America's team are being threatened by the American government shutdown. Another thing in the long list. Yes. NPR explains. Advanced teams have already started working to get things set up and ready for the researchers, who usually begin heading south right about now. But they're hearing that the government's contractor for logistics in Antarctica, Lockheed Martin, will run out of funding for its Antarctic support program in about a week. A decision about whether they will need to start pulling back personnel is expected very soon. Yeah. So putting a freeze on science. You know, there's, there's no really pressing, urgent reason to study the climate and the right now anyway, right? <laughs> Nothing going on with climates these days. No reason to study it scientifically. Are you being sarcastic? Because <laughs> I really don't think you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> It's so ironic that it's at, it's at a time when all these climate stories are coming out. They're like, oh, we don't need researchers. They're not essential. I, I think the, the government shutdown is to see how much stuff they can shut down and see what people complain about. Yeah. <laughs> so if you complain about the parks are closed, you complain about the, you know, not studying that, okay, maybe we'll consider funding those. But if you don't complain about them, no, they didn't close the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They didn't know to complain if they closed the IRS. <laughs> so, I mean... Um, yeah, yeah, maybe that is kind of like a straw poll. You know, they're like, are people going to complain that we don't have this service? Yeah. And if nobody complains, well, just keep it shut down. Yeah. So if, if we don't tell our Congress people that we care about our Antarctic research, they might just never have it again. Hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll tell them. We're going to vote them all out. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... <laughs> That's one way to tell them. Yeah, it's just like... Um, nearly 70% of Fox climate pundits doubt global warming. Following last month's release of the biggest study in climate science, the UN Intergovernmental 
panel on climate change, the IPCC's fifth assessment report. If you actually want a direct link to the fifth assessment report in PDF, uh, please email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and I'll send you all our notes from the show. Um, there have been many rumblings that about skewed, misleading media coverage, but we don't have any data breaking down the press's performance on the most climate important climate change story in years until now. Media Matters has a new content analysis of coverage of the reports released by major newspapers such as the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and the Los Angeles Times, and then networks, all the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and also online and wire services, Associated Press, Reuters, Bloomberg News. Now, the period analyzed was from the beginning of August to the end of September. Since the report was leaked and much coverage actually occurred prior to its official date of release date of September 27th. So what did Media Matters find? The picture isn't entirely bleak, but it contains plenty to be troubled about. Most notably, surprise, Fox overrepresented climate skeptics as by a factor of 23 compared with how they represented in scientific publications. At the extreme of doubt-mongering was Fox News, whose reporting has previously been shown to sow feelings of distrust toward scientists. Sixty-nine percent of Fox's guests discussed the ICC report, raised doubts about climate scientists, according to the analysis. This despite the fact that global warming consensus is embraced by 97 percent of scientists publishing on climate change in peer-reviewed journals. Yeah. That's part of why the claim of fair and balance is baloney, you know. I, I know they're not all that good at math, but when 97% of climate scientists are saying one thing and 60-some of Fox scientists are saying the other, that doesn't seem like a balanced perspective. Well, um, can you um, sue a comp uh, them for saying Fox and Friends when they don't have any friends anymore? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. That's false but advertising. Or about is do they is their tagline still fair and balanced? <laughs> that's a, I, I mean, mean here it's very often. Well, I mean, fair and balanced would mean they do fifty percent on each side. Yeah. And well, this, I mean, this right here said that um, sixty-nine percent were against. So that means it's not fair and balanced. Yeah, right? they're not even meeting their own idea of fair and balanced. And to me, fair and balanced. I know you know they're not statisticians. They may not do it this precisely, but if 97% of climate change scientists are saying climate change is happening, then I would say at least the majority of their guests should be guests who do say climate change is happening. But fair and balanced means you give 50% to both sides, right? That's what they say. <laughs> I think fair and balanced means giving an equal say to each of the scientists who is doing research. Okay. And so if each of the scientists doing research, it adds up to 97% uh, in favor of climate change, okay. that would be fair and balanced. Like they could have, they could have each scientist say like five words if they only have enough time for that. Have each scientist say five <laughs> words about climate change. Yeah, it's real and we're It's real and we're doing it. That's six. <laughs> six. Oh, kick you off the show. Yeah, they gotta kick me off Fox News. Oh my. Now, there is praise as well as blame in this report. There are plenty of media outlets that did a good job too. Um, 
Media Matters found that the New York Times, Reuters, Associated Press, and USA Today avoided quoting climate skeptics. Not every outlet felt a misguided desire to achieve quote-unquote balance. Yeah. So. No, no, it's good to hear. That is somewhat of a change. They are learning a little bit. Well, I mean, I thought the point of news was to report news. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, I guess if it's if it's uh, sensationalism, then you would show both sides, or you would show the things that you know you you would sensationalize. Yeah, sensationalize. You find the craziest person on a topic. Not right. that Fox News would ever do that. Like, but um, not that media would do it. Period. The, you know, it's the. I guess there's a difference between reporting the news and well, I mean, talk shows have people from both sides. Yeah. That's not news. That's a talk show. That's, you know, having people dispute and talk. But if you're do if you're doing a news show, you're going to just report the news. Yeah. So there's a difference there. Okay. Yeah. I think mean, maybe you could teach journalism over to the Fox. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but this is actually another interesting media story. L.A. Times won't publish climate denier letters. You can't always escape the climate denying lands of our relatives. Fortunately, though, you won't have to read them in uh, the Los Angeles Times. Last week, they were discussing Obamacare, and in passing, they mentioned that the newspaper doesn't publish letters to the editor that claim there's no evidence of human-caused climate change. And uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so I'll read this whole thing. Regular readers of the Times opinion page know that among the few letters published over the last week for the that blamed the Democrats for the government shutdown, none made the argument about Congress exempting itself from Obamacare. Why, simply put, this objection to the President's health care law is based on a falsehood. And letters that have an untrue basis, for example, ones that say there's no signs that humans have caused climate change, cannot be printed. And I think that's a very principled stance for them to take, you know. On the one hand it seems like they may be suppressing certain voices. But they're not suppressing opinions, they're just not letting people say untrue things. Uh, and then they, it's up to them to try to decide what is true and not true. So that's part of what a newspaper does anyway. Oil spill. Do oh. you remember this oil spill in Mayflower, Arkansas? Yeah. Why would they, it wasn't really an oil spill as much as an oil spew. Because yeah. it was a pipe ruptured. And just spewed, and I mean the pump kept going. Yeah. And so it wasn't just like a, a container that leaked slowly. It was a pipe that was being pumped, and oil just kept pumping out. Yeah. And it was sand oil, so it was this thick, viscous, like it's like a blob attacking Mayflower. Exxon demolishing homes ruined by its Mayflower spill. If you wish to bid Jose and Denisha, um. Madito, farewell in the wake of the tar sands oil spill that wrecked their night flower home neighborhood in the spring. Don't bother sending flowers to their 36 North Starlight Road address. The couple bought the four-bedroom house last year for 180000 Then the oil spill happened, and their family has never been allowed to return. Well, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, you can't even go and get your stuff. Yeah, you just wake up one morning, and then, oh, you can't come to your house. There's just like... Oil, it's like 
That sounds like an apocalyptic movie. The yeah. oil comes and oozes in, and you have to run for it. Yeah. McGraw owns your house now, and then Exxon buys it from McGraw. So they sold it into Exxon in August for 3000 less than they had paid. Well, let's just call them motivated sellers. On Monday, Exxon took a bulldozer to the former family home, along with another that used to belong to their neighbor a couple doors down. So, Log Cabin Democrat reports that the energy giant has purchased five of the 22 homes that were evacuated in the wake of the oil spill, and that it's in talks to purchase more. Yeah. So, um, at least they are not lighting on fire. It's just <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like that'd be the quick way to demolish it. <laughs> These are bulldozing them. Yeah. Does that mean it becomes like a you know a super fun site or you know whatever that's called the brownfield? Yeah. Well, there was more in the full article that says that part of their idea is to the simplest way to clean it up in their estimation is you just smash the home and scrape everything off and and get some giant napkins. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what they did in the? the they did. Article? Yeah. They had like big napkins, like diapers. Like. <laughs> yeah. Just soak it, soak it up. Because the thing is, is, they still have not figured out how to soak a boil. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it's like oil is not really natural. I mean, it's not made to be all over the place. So. Yeah. Well, we better get through here. Yeah. Let's let's just read a couple headlines here. Uh, the NAACP is getting into the climate fight. Uh, they have a environmental and climate justice program. And they, if you go to Chris.org or ask us for the link via email, they've got an interview with Jacqueline Pedersen from the NAACP's environmental and climate justice program. I mean, that's because, you know, minority communities are getting the greatest brunt of climate. Yeah, from the power plant pollution to the urban heat island effects. The effects of superstorms. And we also have the divestment campaign against fossil fuels is growing. A campaign to persuade investors to take their money out of the fossil fuel sector is growing faster than any previous divestment campaign and could cause significant damage to coal, oil, and gas companies, according to a study from the University of Oxford. So there you have it. Divestment campaigns are having effects. And anyone who wants to can join in. Today is Friday, October 11th, and our holidays are. Today is National Coming Out Day and National Face Your Fear Day. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, so today the Face Your Fears and Come Out. Now, Saturday is the International Moment of Frustration Scream Day. You're allowed one moment to say, Ah, nobody expect, accepted me when I came out. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't funny. Well, let's see. It's also International Top Spinning Day. That's kind of funny, especially because that might be your source of frustration. You're not having much luck spinning the top. Monday is Be Bald and Be Free Day. <laughs> Tuesday is National Grouch Day and Sweetest Day. <laughs> sweetest. Yeah, so nobody nobody celebrates Swedish Day with you. You might celebrate National Grouch Day. Tuesday is also UN International Day of Rural Women. Yes, and Wednesday is Dictionary Day. You learn about new words, a new dictionary, and it's UN World Food Day. Thursday is International UN International Day for the Eradication of Poverty, National Cake Decorating Day, and National Boss Day. So tell your boss that 
it's the day of international eradication of poverty. Yeah. Um, and tell them you're not going to ask for a raise because it's International Boss Day, but tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, happening. Yes, we have open mic night over at Guy House in the Great Center. Tonight at 7 p.m. On Saturday, you have the two Carbondale Farmers Markets on the west side of town from 8 until noon. And on Saturday from 9 until 1 p.m. over at the Carbondale Community High School. We have two farmers markets in town. Um, we're wrapping up the farmers market. This is like the last month, isn't it? I think, yeah, I don't know. Actually, since the one is new, I don't know if they both end at the same time, but yeah. Well, the new one's going to move inside. Oh, okay, yeah. So they're going to become a winter farmer's market on, I think, November 9th. So they'll move in indoors. Yeah. But the other one quits operating, you know, at the, um, I always forget if it's the end of November or the end of October. Yeah. I think it's Thanksgiving. So it's like goes up to Thanksgiving. So yeah, like a little bit of November. Yeah. It's coming up pretty soon, though. Winter is coming. All right, other happenings. This is an exciting one we've mentioned a couple of times, but now it's finally here. Well, it will be in tomorrow. It's the 70th anniversary celebration of the Guy House in the Pits in 913 South Illinois. 70th, not yes. 17th. Not 17th, 70th, like seven decades. Wow. Yeah, it's so like in 1942. So they're celebrating their 70th anniversary with a day of special events at the Guy House Interface Center. The festivities will start at 1 p.m. with the interface ceremony. And then throughout the afternoon, there will be other events, such as live music, a group walk at the Labyrinth Peace Garden. That would be fun. Get yeah. a whole big group. People sharing stories about the history of the center and other events celebrating peace, social justice, the environment, and many faith and belief traditions that call this place home. That's the Guy Hop Interface Center, and that's 913 South Illinois Avenue. And for more information, 618-549-7387 or office.diahouse at gmail.com. Yes. Also coming up in the community on Saturday, it's Farfest over at First Christian Church, 206 West Monroe in Carbondale. They've got an old-fashioned chicken and dumpling dinner. They've got a auction, silent auction, craft sale, plant sale. For more information, 618-457-6817. And we mentioned before, the Frack Free Fest. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. at Trails End Lodge in Cobden. Um, Frack Free Fest is a free concert featuring, featuring... Okay, I did pretty good until I got the featuring. <laughs> yeah. Okay, too many apps for me. A free concert featuring musical performances by the Woodbox Gang, Hobo Knife, and County Graves. Food and drinks will be available for purchase. Carb cleaning is strongly encouraged, and they have um, a shuttle from downtown Cobden. So you can go park down there. This event is a fun way to raise awareness about the environmental threats associated with the industrial methods of hydraulic fracking. Yes. Um, I will be there, and hopefully I'll see you there. And we can talk a little more next week about some of these other happenings. Uh, we've got coming up 11 days for peace and the WDX Halloween Ball. So we're really excited, looking forward to those. 
DBX Ball tickets are available online at www.brownpapertickets.com or call 529-5900. Otherwise, there's places around town where you can get it. Um, this is like the 17th annual, or the DBX has been around for like 17 years. We've been doing the show for like 13 or 14. So, all right, we will see you again on the radio. If you would like to receive our newsletter, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Um, you can also send us other stuff via that email. Yeah. I heard you can send money nowadays via email. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, that's almost a million dollars if you say to I'd like to see that happen once. If you send us a million dollars, we probably will donate at least half of it to WDS. <laughs> Probably at 90%, I would say. <laughs> All right. We'll see you again on the radio.